Gunsmoke. Brought to you by the Red Shovel Network. This is it. Red Shovel Network is best. Stands out from all the rest. Gunsmoke, starring M.L. Elric. Transcribed story of the violence that moved west with young America. And the story of a man who moved with it. I'm that man. M.L. Elric. The United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful and a little lonely. You asked in a rocket, get your finger out of my face. Get your finger out of my face. Take the first shot, then if you want to, get your finger out of my face. It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Albert? Well, it is 313 day in Detroit, and I guess that's probably fitting for the soul of Detroit. And I'm not good with numbers. Journalists are generally not good with numbers. But this is episode four. Or Soul of Detroit podcast. I'm your host, M.L. Elric, investigative reporter at Fox 2. My co-pilot here is Mark Fellhauer of the the uh, Just Charlotte a Just podcast, a guy. Oh, yeah, right? the Daddy and Charlotte podcast. The Daddy and Charlotte podcast. And he, he slums around with some guy named Drew and <laughs> some other, uh, other ne'er-do-wells. And a little bit later, we'll be joined on the burner phone. Or Last time we talked to him, I think he had two tin cans and a, a string <laughs> with so many knots in it we could barely understand him. My man, Sean Windsor of the Detroit Free Press, will be joining us later for the great debate where we'll be discussing the new Lions, who are look a lot like the old Lions, which means our new Lions will look a lot like the old. But maybe not. Maybe not. And, of course, we'll have our Geek of the Week and Room 7609, our new wave hits feature. Actually, they, they should have been hits. They weren't, but we're going to make them hits, maybe get them a couple extra downloads on Spotify. Drew Lane, who at one time was the host of the... The Drew Wave movement, yeah. maybe it used to be Drew Wave. Maybe joining us for that if we can, if we can get him off the couch here at Red Shovel Network headquarters. But uh, I, I rushed here from from Fox once again. We were in court with Bob Carmack, a very interesting fellow, who uh, within the past twelve months went from being somebody that only people in politics knew to being a guy that's known for uh, wearing a wire on a yeah. city councilman for showing some. Very curious video of the mayor of Detroit. So I, I, I wanna I wanna walk through some of that, maybe give people a little tour through uh, the mind of the media because nobody gets it, not even me sometimes. God, <laughs> I feel like I sound like Eli you Garrett. Do sound, you do sound off. Are you yeah. not? You're not. Are you not feeling yeah, well? I, I got this. You know. So I, last week was a big week. I was doing some. Don't em- feel good. I was doing some empty bowls, uh, soup serving. It's a charity thing that Fox Two got involved in. Then I went to go see Space Skull. At Smalls and Hamtramck, we're going to have Space Skull on this show because if you've never seen these guys, you're missing something. Really? And let me just let me just tease ahead a couple episodes. Space Skull is a band that involves sort of an arty chick as the lead singer, um, some human sacrifice, oh, all right. and a neon dinosaur that 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 does great battle because it turns out there really is a space <laughs> skull. So these guys are great. We got to have them on the on the air just to explain what the hell they're doing. So that was Friday night. That sounds as confusing as the Carmack story. So then Saturday was up to East Lansing. We don't have to go into that. Too uh, much running around. Spartans knew what happened. Then Sunday, I had to host the family fun That's section right. That's right, yeah. at the St. Patrick's Day parade. Should have been Space Skull hosting. You know, Space Skull would have been good. <laughs> I I think 
I think kids would have liked the neon dinosaur. Yeah. They might have been Sacrifice. a little bit put off by all the blood, but but kids That's these for the days, adults. But it's all catching up with me, and I was feeling kind of dog shit when I was at Costco last night on my way to Aldi, and I ran into Amy Dean, and it's the second time I've run into her, maybe the third time I've run into her when I was out and about. The first time was on Father's Day several years ago. I was going out every Father's Day. I go visit my my grandpa's uh, resting place at Resurrection Cemetery in Clinton Township. I was driving out. There was a beautiful day. I had my '62 Pontiac Tempest Le Mans convertible, and as I often do, I ran out of gas, which is really <laughs> stupid because I that you know it's it's car is fifty something yeah. years old, so the needle doesn't really work. And I'm thinking, did I fill it up? Did I not fill it up? I can make it. Maybe I won't make it. Well, I didn't make it. I couldn't get it started. And this family at the pump next to me, because I, I pushed it up into this this marathon station. I pushed this car more than I've driven. I actually pushed it through the Windsor Tunnel one time. <laughs> what? And, and, I'm sure the people behind you love that. Oh, they did. And did you know the Windsor Tunnel actually has an incline? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Until I'm pushing a It's a tunnel and all it goes yeah. under the water. There's a lot of things you find out when <laughs> not a bridge. when you have a car that won't bridge work. Bridge has in an front incline too. And another thing, all you jackasses out there with the F-150s, when somebody says, "Hey, can you give my car a push because you're driving a truck, yeah. a work truck?" and they're like, "Yeah, no, I'm I'm not going to do that." I'm like, I'll put a blanket well, on they, the bumper and it, Yeah, aren't they afraid of They're all urban cowboys. It. It's all it's all a bunch of busters, you know. Now that now that hey, these know, trucks have leather interiors and the super duper sound system and everything. I know a lot of people that have uh, F150s and I can only think about two or three that really need the pickup part. Right. Well, the guys behind me in the tunnel, they they were no help whatsoever. But anyway, Did anybody in the tunnel help push you, help push the car? Uh, okay, so a brother and a and a Chrysler 300 got out, and okay. he helped me push it. And what he would he was in front of me. What he would do is he'd drive up a hundred yards. We'd push it to his car. He'd drive his car up a hundred yards, come back, and we'd push it up to his. Where car. Where are the people behind you? Honking on their horns and being pissed off, but none of those some bitches got out to help us push. They wouldn't use their trucks. It's easy to bit. I mean, I, I admit I'd be one of those people bitching and not helping oh, yeah. probably. But it, it was it was because I'd be cars back, not knowing what's going on up there. And the other reason the car conked out because it was hot as balls, so it overheated. So uh, now it's really hot too, and we're pushing this thing. So it was very, very miserable so, day. But this time it was just no, no gas. This time ran out of gas. So I, the people at the pump next to me are driving an Edsel. So you don't see a lot of those. They offer to help. Uh, the dad, um, uh, Kurt, is pretty handy, and he's like, "Well, you know, you may have killed the, uh, the 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 fuel pump because sometimes in the older cars when they go dry they die." And so we're just talking, and, and they were super nice, and we kind of hit it off. And, uh, and I said, you know, if you guys ever want to tour the station, let me know, and uh, I'll be happy to take you around. And so then I, you know, ran up to Resurrection Cemetery to, to pay my respects to my grandpa and got back to my car and, and uh, had it towed home, which is always humiliating. And uh, and the next time I heard from Kurt, he says, uh, you know, hey, um, uh, I got some bad news. My son, Eric, this kid's just a teenager, great kid, has got cancer. And I said, what? Ugh. He has this very severe uh, cancer, and it's it, he's lost his leg to this cancer. And he's got a group on Facebook called Eric's Troopers. These guys have got more guts than anybody you'll ever meet. Yeah. They're, they're, they're fighting the disease. They're rallying for Eric. And as they're rallying for Eric, who's now lost his leg and is constantly being 
treated for more occurrences of the cancer and it's going further and they're having to do this and they're having to do that. And he's donating his body parts for research to try and help other kids who might have this. We find out Kurt has cancer too. And you're like, how much can one family take? Well, anyways, I see Amy last night uh, and, and some other folks from her family at Costco. They're not dancing around like they've been drunk at Mardi Gras, but they just have a, a strength about them and a spirit about them that makes me feel like the biggest, you know, punk in the world for bitching about a sore throat throat. throat. yeah not wanting to work yeah give me all the sore throats you got man so uh so this one's for eric and kurt and amy and the rest of their family the deans are some great people and puts things in perspective yeah everybody knows somebody like that and i think it's it's uh yeah i'm not saying don't feel bad because we all have a right to feel bad but yeah because your voice is shot yeah i mean whatever i mean this is you know everybody's actually happy they don't have to hear me talk that much but uh except for those of you out there listening to us on itunes google podcast maybe you're going to our website ml sola detroit follow us on facebook ml sola detroit twitter ml sola detroit please rate us yeah unless you hate us and hey, you that's a quite comment, a voice you've got there you ever think about doing radio but yeah, so under the weather and uh, in court with Carmack today. And boy, I'll tell you what, this guy, he's a different kind of cat. Mm-hmm. I think anybody who's listened to Charlie Duff's podcast has heard him. And you understand that his mind does not move in a linear manner. And so the story that, that we worked, geez, for months on involving these secret recordings he made of uh, negotiations with his conversations, I should say, with his attorney, Todd Flood, who's also the special prosecutor in the Flint uh, water crisis. And uh, he hired Flood to try and work out a deal with uh, Mayor Duggan to resolve their differences, you know, for people who... What what, what does that mean? Okay, so the city is suing... This all goes back to a land deal that Carmack made. He sold a piece of land that we understand... The city didn't think he owned because he didn't file the right paperwork and didn't pay taxes on it. So it's a bunch of land deals wrapped up in his dispute with the city. But the big one, the one that has him in court now being charged with fraud, is Carmack. And again, um, I I think I've talked to him enough over the past year that I kind of understand where he's coming from. There's a term I use called Carmack logic, where it sort of makes sense to him. Okay. And if you kind of like OJ logic. If you can sort of do a schematic, it does kind of come around to a way that sort of makes sense. Did he buy the land or not? So he spent about a quarter million dollars developing some land that he wanted to buy from the city. And then the city said, okay, we're going to sell you this land. He says, they they put a condition on it, which was you got to give Kwame Kilpatrick $50,000. And he said, I'm not paying any bribe money. Who told him that? He, he claims Derek Miller, some people okay. from the city and the Kilpatrick administration back then. You got to remember this is in the, the mid 2000s when, when it was kind of anything goes. So he said when he was told he had to come up with some dough, he's going to walk away from the deal. And then later, not too, too much before Kilpatrick fell, city officials came to him with another piece of land, not on the water, nothing he could have turned into his marine and counter development. But there's another piece of land that they said had some value. And they said, if you give us $250,000, you can have this piece of land. Now, Carmack viewed that as a make good on the $250,000 he spent on the land he didn't get. So the city sends him a deed, he says. He never gave him the $250,000. He sat on the land for years. And then at some point, he must have realized it had some value. 
And he goes to the city and he says, hey, uh, you guys kind of screwed me on my other deal, but you gave me this land. What year is this? This would be like 2016, 2015. So well post-Columbia. Yeah, six, seven years later. Several administrations later, because remember you had Kilpatrick, then you had Mayor... Um, Bing? No, before that, Mayor Cockrell, who oh, served the rest yeah, of Kilpatrick's right, term. The city months. council president yeah, uh-huh. who moved up. A.K.A. Mayor Shrek, Bing. according to... Uh, Shrek, that's right. You're not my daddy. Conjures. And then you had uh, Mayor Duggan. And so a lot of changes in City Hall... But Carmack figures this land is worth something, so he sells it for a million dollars. Now, at some point, but before he sells it, he goes to city council and he says, you screwed me on this other deal. I want you to make me whole on this other deal. I want you to do right by me. And then he holds up this deed and he waves it for city council and he says, and by the way, you sent me a deed for this property. I'm going to sell it unless you tell me not to. And people are like, what do you get that deed from? Give us a copy of that deed. We want that deed. City council president at the time grabs the deed and looks at it. He never hears back from anybody. And so he sells it. He basically, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> stop me before I kill again. Wait, so the city council president actually took the physical deed? Took took either the deed that or a copy of it. That story sounds very hard to believe. So it's pretty crazy. So what ends up happening is, uh, over time, the city says, well, we want the money, the two hundred fifty grand you're supposed to give us for the land. Carmack says, no, 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 I, you know, you owed me that money, so we're kind of even. City says, no, we don't feel that way. They sue him. Yeah. At the same time, they're trying to evict him from his shop on Michigan Avenue because they say he doesn't own it anymore. He says he still does because of why would they? Okay, why, boy, why, why would they say he doesn't own it anymore because of a bankruptcy? Well, let's file the million dollar deal through before we, okay. we send people's heads into a, into a crisis with this other mess. And so the city sues him, and then eventually they charge him with fraud. And and I'm telling Bob, I said, you know, I think you're in trouble here because this sort of feels to me like you tell me if uh, that you're going to shoot me in the face. And if I don't tell you not to shoot me in the face and you shoot me in the face, I think you're still in trouble, yeah. right? Yeah, the law so, is still a law. Yeah, so Bob's like, people say. Bob's like, ah, but... Maybe the worst negotiator I've ever seen says there's no intent here. And I'm like, intent. So I call uh, Peter Henning, who's a, a very well-regarded former federal prosecutor, law professor at Wayne State University. And I said, so I got, I tell him the whole story. I used my shoot me in the face analogy. He's like, oh, very good, very good. And I said, I said, but, but you know what, Peter? He says he didn't have any intent. And he goes, oh, oh, intent. I said, yeah, he, he said he had no intent. And he goes, intent is the key point in any white-collar crime. And I said, what? He said, he may have a case here. And I said, wait a minute. He he took the land and he sold it. He agreed to give him $250,000. He didn't give him $250,000. So there's a problem right there. He says, yeah, but did he tell him what he's going to do? And I told him the whole story. I said, I we went to city officials and said, I got this deed. You know, do you want this deed back? If not, I'm going to sell it. And nobody told him not to. He goes, oh, he actually went before. I said, yeah, he's got video of him going to city council saying, here's this deed. He says, he may have a very good case. Really? So this is what I'm saying. To the rest of us, it sounds crazy. To Bob, it makes sense. And the, the amazing thing is, maybe he's going to be okay. This guy can't negotiate his way out of a paper bag. What exactly did he hire Flood to do then? Because you're saying to make a deal. Is it just uh, like a settlement to drop the lawsuit? The so so this, is, this is where the story gets tricky and why it takes us so long to get to the bottom of these things. 
We've got 40 minutes of these these recordings, and I know Charlie's played some of them on uh, yeah. No BS News Hour. My favorite part being the small talk at the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. I love small yeah. talk. It's so ludicrous. Well, so this is, I've listened to these these recordings over and over again. I've worked on this story off and on for months, and I'm still not sure what Carmack has to bargain, and I'm still not sure what he was asking for, and neither was Flood. And Flood will tell you, by the way, that, Carmack was not my client. I just was, I guess, helping out. I don't Did know. Did he ever pay him? He never got paid. And Carmack acknowledges he never got sent a bill. But at the same time, before Flood would talk about it, he asked that Flood uh, that Flood Was his asked intent that Carmack, for him to be his lawyer? Yeah. It's, we didn't get an <laughs> intent there. Believe me, I was already too deep in, in law school. But, um, but, uh, but Flood did want. Carmack to sign a release, uh, releasing him from his attorney-client privilege. So it's kind of fuzzy who's playing yeah. what. But through the whole thing, Flood talks about talking to Duggan, and Duggan saying, "Well, what does he want? You know, yeah. tell him to tell if he wants money, tell him to tell me how much. We'll see what it's." And and when you listen to these tapes, what, what's fascinating about it, and also a little frustrating, is you're never really sure what people are trying to do. It's like, it's like everybody. It's it's almost like you Reservoir kind of- Dogs. Where everybody's circling each other, yeah. and each have a gun on each other. Like the first a, a guy, Mexican standoff. Right, the first. Well, I don't want you know. I don't want That's to, what it's called. I don't want to get in any trouble here. Let's just <laughs> say it's a it's a standoff of people who may or may not come from the state of Monterey. But don't we know what each side is kind of thinking? I mean, I know that doesn't hold up well, in a court. So here's the here's the crazy part. Not that it's not crazy enough already. So I call the mayor's people and say, well, you know, do you acknowledge mm-hmm. that, you know, because the first thing you do is you, you authenticate these recordings, right? I mean, we got a mayor in Warren who appears to be very clearly Adobe on cell tape, the phone. but yeah. yeah, the Adobe cell phone uh, uh, fraud. So, so everybody flood, uh, the mayor, Adobe cell phone. That's, it's very sophisticated equipment <laughs> and Carmack all acknowledge their roles in this. Nobody disputes that it's them on the tapes and that, that these, the nature we of these discussions We can agree it was not Fouts on that tape. It was not Fouts on no, that, that tape. No, that was not me on the tape. <laughs> yes, we, we, just, we just settled that. One, t- one thing we can agree on. So, so I tell the mayor's people, I want to talk to the mayor. And they're like, well, he doesn't really want to talk about this. I said, well, I understand that, but it's important that we hear from him because there's these high-level negotiations and we want to know how serious he was. What was he thinking about this? And, of course, we go through the whole thing I go through with everybody, which is I know you don't want to talk to me, but you got to talk to me. And if you don't want to do it voluntarily, you know, what, what I give people is an option about when and where to meet. The option is not whether we're going to meet. So we basically got down to it's probably better for the mayor to sit down and answer questions than to run away and hear questions and maybe not give me I some think answers. That goes for everybody. I, well, and I tell them all. I tell everybody this. If people watch my stuff for Fox 2, you will see me, unless I think I'm going to catch you red-handed, you will see me call and say, can we meet? And if they don't want to meet, then we go find them, which I hate because it means I got to get up early. I got to stand in the rain. I got to sit out in the heat. I got to stay in the freezing. But, uh, but he met and he, I mean... Yeah, he was great. Well, here's the amazing thing. He agrees to sit down, and then he tells us. I don't want to steal my own thunder here, but he tells us, I was never really serious about negotiating with Intent. I was just trying. Yeah, exactly. His intent was not to negotiate, but it was to compile evidence against Carmack to try and get the cops to lock him up. He was compiling evidence. And and the thing about these negotiations is they all happened between the time Carmack showed this video of the mayor going to meet some woman who was not his wife. 
and the mayor holding a press conference saying, I think I've been threatened. So this this is kind of the what really was going on in between these two days, when these two events about a week apart, when people are thinking, well, these guys never talk to each other. Oh, hell yeah, they talk to each other. I mean, through their through through flood. The attorney. And they were trying to work out a deal, at least. They thought they were, or maybe but they. But nobody weren't. knows what exactly the deal, what each side wanted. Exactly, and so, so this is kind of my thing, and we talked about this before. It's just is, funny. I feel like an adult in the room just say, "Hey, Ichi, just drop it, drop the lawsuit, drop your attacks, and let's just be done with it." Except if, except he's got a big land sale. Yeah, except if the mayor's right, then then you know, Carmack owes the city. $250,000, maybe the million dollars he got for it. He probably owes for this land he's been using that they're trying to evict himself, him from. So to me, this is somewhat unsatisfying that we can't tell you exactly what everybody was angling for. But to me, this is this is kind of the essence of what I do, which is try and ask questions, get answers, present it in what I hope is a compelling way. And then we let people decide what they yeah. think. Do you think Duggan really was trying to trap Carmack or was Duggan – trying to work out a deal. And when he realized he couldn't work out a deal, he runs and has a press conference and says, they were trying to trick me. I mean, that's that's for the viewers to decide. Wow. You but- know, and I'm getting pissed off about stuff. I'm driving to court this morning, and I see some jag off, roll down his window, and flick out a cigarette butt. Yeah. <laughs> now, maybe, maybe I'm just a little highly strung right now, but I got to tell you, we got enough garbage in the city of Detroit already, human and otherwise. And I know why the guy, like, the butt out because he didn't want it in his car, right? Yeah. So why does he think Habit. anybody else wants it? I don't know. I, I never mean, understood people that litter in general. It's like, just really can't wait to get to uh, your destination. You know you're in Detroit, and maybe others too, but I spend most of my time in Detroit. When you pull up to a park or a store or someplace you want to do some business, you want to relax, you want to have a good time, and there's a friggin' diaper <laughs> yeah, sitting yeah. next to your car. I mean, a used diaper. Yeah. And I'm big on picking up trash. I, I kind of have a rule of thumb. I'll pick up whatever trash I can find except for something that would have gone in somebody's mouth. It's poop. Is a diaper as bad of a thing to dump in the city of Detroit to say, oh, a bunch of tires or a boat? I don't know why people treat the city like a fucking disposal. It, it's very frustrating. I will say this about a diaper. A diaper is small and it's easy to put in a trash can. A tire is big and hard to put in a trash can. Rid of. But I'm not by any stretch of the imagination, endorsing dumping. In fact, I've spent a lot of time trying to bust dumpers in my Is it career. getting any better in Detroit? Oh, yeah. Illegal yeah. dumping? Yeah, I think illegal dumping is getting better. I think the city's doing a better job cracking down on things. And the demolitions, you know, whether they're paying too much and whether the dirt should have been free or what have you, Charlie's done some great work on those topics. Yeah. Houses are getting knocked down in a way they haven't for a long time. Even houses that shouldn't be knocked down are getting uh, knocked down. That's that's kind of where the, the, you guys, the dysfunctional uh, bureaucracy yeah. <laughs> comes in. Well, it's very it. similar to the Carmack thing. I, I just I don't know if paperwork is a strong suit of the well, city. Yeah, so that's a great point. That's a great point. Maybe the city did send a deed to Carmack and they shouldn't have, but that does does that give them the right to sell the land? And and that's where this case is going now, is mm. is it may you know, the prosecution may ultimately have to say, listen, the city doesn't have its act together. Does that allow a guy to take land? And Carmack may say, listen, the city said this is your land. I'm going to take the city at its word. I remember we had dug in on, um, boy, 2013 maybe, and the, in the summer of 2013. And when, he was, he, when he first ran for mayor. Yes, exactly. Or after he got knocked off the ballot. Uh, it would have been summer of 2013. You tell me. I think he was probably doing the write-in at that time. But one of his big 
pushes was the fact that nothing is computerized. There's no databases. There's no nothing. And he told a story about his wife getting new dog tags yeah. and how they go, here's your paper. And it was from last year's because they didn't have new, oh. <laughs> new papers. Is that getting any better? My first quote unquote investigation after starting in city hall in 2000 for the free press was that the new dog licenses were not in yet. In fact, I think they were, they were maybe uh, like three or four months behind or something. And my lead was something like uh dog license or canine licenses in the city of Detroit are one dog year behind, you know? <laughs> so that's always been a problem. There's still a lot of paper, but I think the systems are getting better. Um, I think, uh, you know, I know when I pay my taxes, they cash the checks a lot faster and which is important because what they used to do is they'd cash your check late and they'd assess you a late fee because they based when you paid. Their fault? On, yes. And in fact, when I caught this, I took several, several checks back to city hall and said, why am I, or bills? And I said, why am I being assessed a late fee? You can see I paid it on time. Like, yeah, but we didn't record it until it was late. And I said, well, that's not, not my, my fault. problem. Yeah. And they reached in a drawer. And they had forms already for late payment refunds because they knew they had a problem. Wow. So they were so used to correcting their own. I mean, is that any better? I think it's better. I think it's much better. Um, but uh, and there's a lot of things that I think are, are better in the city of Detroit, which isn't to say the bar was we don't so have a long low. way to go. Well, that's that's the other thing is you had Kwame Kilpatrick bragging about cutting the grass. I'm like, excuse me, that's the least. If you can't cut the grass, you you shouldn't be in office. Now you're bragging about it? Or trash pickup or snow. Now where you live, and I don't know how much you want to reveal, but don't, don't, doesn't that neighborhood pay for private plowing because the city's so lax on it? So I live in East English Village on the east side. Uh, We do contribute to a neighborhood fund where when there's so much snow, we'll get the the interior streets plowed. But I live on Outer Drive and... uh, and that's a county road, so the, that road gets plowed by the okay. county pretty well. But, yeah, city streets, they're getting better. They used to – I think the rule was they used to plow a six-foot-wide stretch down city streets whenever they could get to it. Now I think it's nine feet or 12 feet, which sounds like – what are you talking about? Except when it's only six feet, yeah. only one car can go through. Yeah. But now when you get to, like, nine or 12 feet – One and a half. Maybe two cars can pass. <laughs> I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in, and I'll never change. Very nerd. Very so. Very nerd. Very so. Very nerd infinity. Very so infinity plus one. No. It's time again for the great debate, featuring Mark Fellhauer, yeah. Sean Windsor of the Detroit Free Press, and your old pal ML Elric here from Fox Two News. And uh, Fox Two News has a reputation of being to the right. Well, I'd like to say. It's really that we are right, less incorrect, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make my point with <laughs> with great alacrity uh, with this week's topic, which is the Detroit Lions draft picks and Matt Staff Matt Stafford. Where the hell are we going? I'd like to get Sean's take on this to start us off because he hasn't been wrong about anything except for <laughs> the first Michigan Michigan State basketball game, the second a Michigan a Michigan State basketball game, and perhaps his prediction that the University of Michigan Wolverine basketball team will win the Big Ten tournament, he doesn't even have the Spartans in the finals. So obviously this is a man whose word you can take to the bank. Sean, thank you so much for – I would have been worried if you picked us in the Big Ten tournament. Well, I don't know that Tom Izzo – it's good to be with you, I think, or at least Mark. (laughs) Thanks, Sean. Hey, look, I'm I'm happy for your Spartans. I'm not sure they think they're going to be there Sunday. I don't think they – Necessarily want to be there Sunday, but I think if they're there, then obviously they're going to want to win. Sure. They want to work Nick Ward back in and 
get their rhythm a little bit and then get some rest. Yeah, no, I'm sure that I'm sure they'd hate to to win again, and and uh, if, if that's the case, they'll just be like another team that hates victory. Except the Detroit Lions can't win again because they haven't won. And if you ask me, these moves they've made with these free agent signings, they're not gonna win. You're a Lions fan. You have every right to not like this. I am this not a Lions fan. Work. I cannot. I cannot reward incompetence uh, internally oh, like that. I mean, look, you, you grow up next to Detroit and Girls Point, you're going to be a Lions fan. <laughs> that's right. That's, I mean, that's just, you're right. They, they went big, not huge, but they went big. They got, uh, four, what, four players so far? The, the the biggest catch. Maybe you don't like this guy either. Trey Flowers, a former now defensive end from New England. Made, not. They, made, they made him the fifth highest paid defensive guy in the league. That's a little worrisome, and I can understand your concern there. Certainly uh, not the sack, Patriot way, right? Yeah, people keep talking about it being uh, New England West or doing it what the Patriots did. The Patriots did it via the draft. Yeah. and uh, Finding talent. I love that the Lions needed a tight end, so they went out and they stole Gronk from, from the Patriots, yeah, right? Yeah, right, yeah. Well, oh. or a small facsimile oh, thereof from Pittsburgh. They, they yeah, he's a, he's a stealer. No, the, you're right. The Patriots do do it in the draft, but come on. they You know what they do? They, they do it with Brady and Belichick, or Belichick and Brady. Maybe that's the order you should use. And they do occasionally sign free agents that really matter. I mean, Randy Moss, obviously they didn't win a Super Bowl with him, but he made a big difference. They've had a couple of cornerbacks, so they, they're just smart about it. They, you know, they see one year what they maybe struggle with a little bit, or they lose in the end, and they think, okay, we're going to get that piece. But that's it. You know, they don't, you're right, they don't generally, they're not one of the big, big spenders in the league. They're great at developing players. But if we're going to steal Patriots, you name the two I want. Belichick and Brady. Instead, our great New England Patriots steals over the years have been Damian Woody, LeGarrette Blunt, Matt Castle. What? Yet they get Kyle Van Noy, who yeah. flips a switch yeah. and becomes really good. I I don't understand it. So instead of emulating where you came from, can't Quinn be his own man, or is it just that's what he knows? Look, it's it's like we said, they're developing guys. You know, Calvin Noy goes to New England, and it's a different level of coaching. But but back to your question, Mark. I think with Quinn, it's just, it's true of most general managers. You 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 take chances on guys that you know, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you've had some, ex- most general managers have connections. They've worked at other other franchises, or they've. Uh, you know, been involved with other coaches, and those coaches and sort of go out and get other jobs. And so you pick up the phone, hey, what do you think about this guy? I mean, that's just kind of how this works. So it's just that they're here, and um, you know, New England's there, and so there seems to be a direct pipeline. But it, it's it's not that unusual. Maybe the number now is right, especially the fact that they went and got Patricia. But uh, I'm but not, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Mike, him. in terms of what's that? I'm not sold on Patricia. I I can tell you actually right now. I don't think I think he should have been fired after year one. I I, think I know he why should, he wouldn't. He should have had a background background check. That's well, that that's too. where it begins but, and ends for me. But is there anything? I mean, you're closer and you follow more. Is there anything Matt Patricia showed you that says this is the guy that could win a Super Bowl as a head coach? Well, here's here's what I think he did, and and, I, and and he's got a lot of work to do. And I don't necessarily. I mean, he may well just be in over his head and he'll never figure it out. I think though. The, he he knows the game, right? Obviously, and he understands sure. how to run some stuff, 
and teach some stuff in the way that that uh, New England did. That's the one thing that you hope they bring from there is great coordinator. Is that philosophy of adapting and adjusting week to week, which New England has done better than anybody in the history of the game. So I think he's got the potential to do that. Does he? Does he know how to communicate? Can he run a locker room? Can he? Can he be the front man in a way? He's got a lot of work to do with that, and um, I think there'd be some people in the organization that would tell you that. I don't know how much he thinks that, and if he doesn't think that at all, then, then yeah, he's not going to last. But I expect the Alliance to fill my ears with a bunch of garbage. You're my objective friend, my man at the free press who knows, who's who's fearless in terms of evaluating what these teams are doing and, and looking at the talent and, and telling us whether or not we should get excited or not. Are you seriously telling me that getting these guys – who were either from New England or were cast off from New England or have some DNA from the Patriots in their blood is going to turn this Lions team into a winner next year. I mean, I, I can't well, see it because you're on the burner, but if you were sitting across from me, would you be telling me that with a straight face? Well, yeah, because it's not just Outrageous. these guys, right? Outrageous. They had uh, they got a pretty good running back last year. He got hurt. I mean, you got to get lucky a little bit in that way. I'm not. We're not going to say they're going to get to a Super Bowl, but Look, Danny Amendola, the slot receiver they got, he's probably not going to do much. Justin Coleman is a good player in Seattle. He's for $3 million, Amendola. He's, good, he's not going to do much for $3 million? He'll be up to six. He's, well, he'll, he'll be their third option. I mean, maybe he can get a tough first down on third and six and find some space. I mean, he's 33, I think. So I don't, But Coleman, who was in New England but who was in Seattle, the the cornerback, he's a solid player. The Flowers is a really good player. I mean, I don't know why they would come here and get worse. Well, let me let me... There's at least a chance that they come here and help. I, I mean, are these the pieces that are going to lead to a parade? No. Well, they, and, you know, they they got other issues. They, they got they got a quarterback who's got to rediscover himself and play the kind of ball he was a couple of years ago. Wide receivers grew, come and I go. Matthew Stafford always blows. But uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, did you learn that with your furry hat on? I I just your made, little just, cosplay. I just made that up. Sitting in the end zone. That's a, I'm not a furry man. All my fetishes are pretty straightforward. That's a Pulitzer Prize winning poem right there. Well, you know, they give them for the arts. <laughs> they, they give them for literature. So I'm, I'm not ruled out. I, I, they may have a shot this Do year. I, I like that you love the Lions so much you hate them. You know, that's that's what's... Uh... Well, I mean, I, you could say that about a lot of a lot of your a lot of the way you uh, a lot of things you look at in life, right? Can I will. I will disagree Sean, with I ML on that. I have a feeling if they were really good, you would be right there rooting them on. Of course, he would. Not to the extent of of your Spartans. But, oh, come on! No, no he'd, he'd be more than the Spartans. He didn't grow up with the Spartans. He grew up with the Lions. <laughs> There's also those people the that claim they're and lion, the Red Wings. They're Lions free, which I don't believe that because the second the team is good, they are going to be there. They're going to be watching. They're going to be wearing the apparel. Of course. Of course, NFL. little Mikey is. You can just see him now. <laughs> I'm I'm holding out for the the second he's, Super Bowl he's ring. Holding his daddy's hand, and you, you, he'll. That's how he'll feel when they start winning. He'll he'll cry. I'm well, as excited about the team now as I was before they signed the four. We'll see. Yeah, that's we'll see. you've been conditioned me. by a half century of uh, you know. Yeah, yes, fair enough. Losing. That's their fault, though, not mine. We've been groomed. Absolutely. I'm not saying it's your fault. <laughs> no. You're a victim here. I don't want to call <laughs> Mike that, but, yes. but you are. That's right. That's right. Well, there's your great debate, folks, where everybody but me is wrong. Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Is him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek or we're turning into cool guys? Soul of Detroit Geek of the Week is brought to you by... 
absolutely nobody because we don't have any sponsors. If you'd like to sponsor this show, just drop some cash off at my house. I live in Detroit. It happens more than you'd think. Uh, you can certainly reach out to us on Facebook, ML Soul of Detroit. On Twitter, ML Soul of Detroit. Our website is ML Soul of Detroit. We have a phone number, 313-288-9070. That comes out to Butterfield 89070. If you don't get that, send us a direct message. We'll we'll explain it. We'll be happy to get that to you. And, of course, you can listen to us on iTunes and Google Podcast. Rate us unless you hate us. Now it's time for us to talk about some people who we really don't appreciate at all. Of course, it's our Geek of the Week segment. And Drew is here not because he's the Geek of the Week, but because he got a little bile in his duct. I'm happy to pile in. Uh, there is great support, though, for Felicity Huffman and Lori Lawton. I've noticed that uh, the tide seems to be turning in their favor. Oh, really? Is, did Maybe they not. pay to move the tide? Because uh, I understand some of their kids were really good with the tide when they were on the crew yeah. team, except they weren't on the. Crew so are they? Team. Com- is it a combined? Are they our nomination combined, or is it everybody involved in Operation Varsity Blues? <laughs> is that what they called it? Yeah, I know. And James Vanderbeek tweeted about it. By the way, he's outraged. So, what, he's outraged. Oh, really? Just want to yeah. be associated with it? I, I just thought it was funny because he's the star of the movie that yeah. he would say something. But. I, I was never a big Vanderbeek fan unless you've watched How I oh, Met Your come Mother. On. What I, about The Creek? I liked uh, I liked um, Holmes. Holmes, and, yeah, Katie Holmes. And, and was it Michelle Williams? Michelle Williams, Holmes, yeah. Pacey. Yeah. No one knows Pacey's I, really. I don't I think he's Pacey. as hot as he thinks he is. But that's why he's so great on this because he plays this guy he who's a lifeguard at a water park. And he tries to explain why his job is so crucial because... If he doesn't tell the kids to go at the right time, they could die. So he's playing a, a minimum wage type power adult. hungry, right? Yeah, former traveling band guy from somewhere in Canada, and, and Robbins is ex girlfriend. But I, I've got us way off topic. That's interesting. Who do you James fault? Who do you fault with the whole um, college bribery scandal? Well, so let's set this up for people. There, it turns out there are rich sons of bitches who have too much money. And not enough brains. And it looks like their kids don't have any brains either. So they're trying to get him into these prestigious colleges by helping other people take their admissions tests and by claiming that they're athletes or they have some sort of athletic uh, aptitude because I guess that makes it easier for you to get Yeah, they in. can say that the rowing team's recruiting me. I didn't realize the rowing team had so much power in admissions, but apparently they do. <laughs> yeah, well, the On crew, the female side. Sure. They're doing anything they can to try and get their kids in. As if rich kids whose moms and dads are in Hollywood or CEOs. Are going to have a tough life. They need any more advantages yeah. to getting into these college. I mean, you got to give me. It makes me want to. I, I may, maybe I'm off on this. I was really a little surprised at first that there was so much anger. But the more it sunk in, it was. Yeah, this is. Well, first of all, it's incredible that parents. You're try, supposed to tell your kids that they're not supposed to cheat. And they're cheating for their kids. And I don't know. I wanted to make it something broader that we just don't seem to want to let kids do anything themselves anymore. They don't seem to mm-hmm. have to. So many, in so many cases, they don't have to earn it. We get them private coaches when they're playing sports, when they're little, and tutors and pre-SAT classes. And the outrage really comes from one of those things where we always knew this went on, but now we see it right in our face and exactly how it goes on. Like you're seeing the sausage being made. A parent paying someone to take their kids' SAT. I just mean rich people I, using the advantage to get their kids into these well, elite universities. Not surprising. No. It's, it's one of those moments where you're like, yes, yes, I knew that's how it worked. But anybody who it's has... confirmation. You know, my kids are 19 and 20, and every kid I know that's around their age, every family I know that's around their age, 
is crapping their pants every fall, waiting mm-hmm. to see whether their kid gets waitlisted at Michigan or Michigan State. And I'm sitting here as a parent saying, look at the grades these kids have. And I'm saying, you're waitlisting these kids. When I applied to those schools, they would have been on a scholarship at either Michigan or Michigan yeah. State. And they're being put on ice. And some of these kids are told they can't go until the spring semester, so they get pissed off and they go someplace else. I'm, and we lose all these great kids. And now we see these rich people trying to get their kids into state. These kids have already had every frigging advantage they could possibly have. Although I know poor little rich girl is a real thing. But I'm upset for the fact that I had to find stupid extracurricular activities I didn't want to do solely to be putted on an um, application when these people are just Photoshopping. Oh, when I was Why in high I school. I just Photoshop? When I was in high school, some guys, some smart asses, came no one up checked with the, to see if I was ever in the sad. Transcendental Meditation Club, and what? they said, "What? What? What do we do in the Transcendental what? Meditation Club?" He said, "We join it and we put it on our college application." Exactly. That's all That's they the did. Old school way of cheating, not just Photoshop. Why is everyone trying to gain some sort of? I don't know. Is everyone gaming the system, but some gaming it otherwise? It's the American I, way. Just the the idea that college is so not merit-based, I think, is distressing. The Ivy League, and I know we talked about this a little bit, look at what's happening to Asians in the Ivy League. Mm -hmm. They would be 35% of the Ivy League, but those schools have decided, no, we don't want that many Asians. They're a minority. They've earned it, and they're shutting them down, and they're letting in Felicity Huffman's brat and Laura Lawton's brat because they throw some money around. I was going to make Lori- those are two, but those are two different things. You're talking no, they about, are two different you're talking things, about the but- overall admission standard that Harvard has versus some you know crooks that wanted to take bribes to get but, these brats in. But the point being that it's not I don't about know which one's who's worse. studying the hardest and getting the best test scores. It's about who's you know. I mean, the schools have something to do with it because they're saying oh, we don't want that many Asians. And then again, uh, there's these shortcuts with people writing fat checks. I, I don't know. Just the whole thing is. It's college. It's the most PC place on the planet. What the hell's going on? There was a great book that came out a few years ago looking at admissions to the Ivy League college. I think it was either looked at Yale or Harvard. And they found out that they were admitting a lot of wasps. And so they needed more. What? Yes. So they needed, you know, like 60, 80 years ago. So then they noticed that as they changed the, uh, the leadership at the universities, they had more diversity, but what ended up happening was all the new people looked exactly like the new people in charge. And so when it was the wasps, everybody who got admitted was the wasps. Then they had some people that maybe had people with more Jewish heritage. And then there were more people with Jewish heritage getting there. And then they find that there's more people with and so what it it, it what it showed is that me human nature. Exactly, is that everybody wants it to be fair when they're getting screwed, but yeah. once they're in charge, it's like Okay, it's time to even up. Now it's our chance. You know, yeah, yeah, no, I yeah exactly. That. We know how it's done. We're going to do it. And that's what happened to Kilpatrick. His dad said, we saw the McNamara administration. We know how to do this. And they started trying to steal. It didn't work out so good. What but about the legacy time. kids? You know, George Bush and maybe Jared Kushner. I don't know that whole story, but these people from Harvard and Yale are running the free world. You're yeah. suggesting to me that George Bush... Didn't get a 1600 on the nope. SAT? No. He what was, is the thinking behind having legacy? By the way, he didn't want people knowing his grades or test scores either. He's Trump is not the first president to try and hide his academic record. Well, what, I would, what I is think cool. with Bush, the test he wanted people not to get were his drug tests. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he admitted to the party. What, what would a school say? Like, why would they want um, legacy admissions? Like, what? why is it to their advantage? Is it to get uh, the parents keep it, to keep donating? Keep it coming. Keep the money coming. Oh, okay. I guess. I, I don't know. I, I don't really 
quite understand it. It just seems that it's not based on grades and SATs after all. And you think when somebody puts that, that school next to their name that, oh, they must be really smart. And I think we find that yeah, a lot of time, though, maybe not in the real world, uh, maybe getting a job isn't solely based on the best person applying for the job, too, because it's who you oh, know. D- I mean, d- it's just so, kind of how this world well, works. We, but I do think we, we like to believe that school for kids is fair or we try to make it fair and maybe we're just not even close. Well, I, I think no, the lesson no that we uh, – now, there was another – I don't know if it was a book or it was an article that said that very few valedictorians end up being the innovators, the CEOs. You know, It's the people who aren't first in their class all the time because to be first in your class all the time, all you got to do is study, 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 yeah. study. And you don't have that sort of creativity. You just – you follow the rules. And so the kids who aren't the 4.0 kids tend to be the ones that are the real difference makers. But I think the real mistake that that we're making here is giving kids the idea that you have to get into this place. Mm -hmm. Things have to go this way. Otherwise, you're screwed. Whereas how many people, you know, wanted to go to like at one time I thought I wanted to go to Northwestern and I didn't get in. And I went to Michigan State. Now I went on a campus tour and the chick who gave us the campus tour was like, this is just like – every biatch I grew up with, so I don't want to go here. And mm-hmm. I couldn't afford it anyway. But I ended up going to Michigan State, and boy, that worked out great for me. So the, the, the key is not to get everything you want or to follow the exact map. Unless it's you what want, you do when things go off the rails. Unless you want to work in uh, politics. Unless you want to be a Supreme Court justice. Everybody seems to be from Harvard and Yale in Congress. Yes. Doesn't it seem that maybe the parents want it more than the kids in these cases? It's more important to the parents? Oh, yeah. Well, oh, they, I want they, Charlotte they to go to They brag about DeVry. their kids, right? DeVry is a fine institution. <laughs> Does DeVry exist? Very merit-based. Good. I didn't <laughs> think DeVry was around anymore. Yeah, ITT I, is the one they blew ITT. up. ITT, that's where Brandon went, the school that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> ITT Tech. He well, still the good thing there loans. is they're not going to hit him up for alumni contributions. He still, but he was saying today he still owed student loans after they blew up. I know, he doesn't think that's fair. It's not fair. Well, the, but the but bank, the the bank doesn't decide that, doesn't feel that way about it. I can't be the only one who loves that Pee Wee Herman is trying to get into a party that Duran Duran is at. They would never let Pee Wee Herman into Duran Duran. That's why I just keep knocking. Well, he won't like, get in. Just like I like the idea of him lightening up their party a little bit. Yeah, you get him and uh, and George Michael in there and then, uh, then the Vice Squad and you got a hell of a party. But we're not here to talk about Pee Wee and we're not here to talk about Duran Duran. All I could do that all night. We have our first listener suggestion for Room 7609 where we take underappreciated or maybe forgotten or somehow tarnished new wave gems and we polish them and we make them sparkle and we we get them at least maybe two or three extra Spotify plays. And Does the band get any credit for this? Yeah, they get. Well, or do they, we get all the credit for polishing it off? No, no, no. They, I think they get the money. They get a nickel. Okay. Yeah, we don't, we we get don't a nickel get from Spotify. But our selection this week is psychedelic furs, and I think there are a lot of people who say pretty in pink. Yeah, who's who doesn't appreciate the psychedelic furs? Love my way, you know. Oh, they great. have so many great tracks. Heartbreak I, beat. 
I love the furs. Yeah. Love them. All that money wants. All that money wants. Uh, the ghost in you. Yeah. Heaven. Yeah. So they've done pretty well, but like well. all great bands, I don't know if this was a B side or not, or just something that people didn't really appreciate, but one of my favorite and, and this is how you know that this is an obscure uh an obscure psychedelic furs song is I heard it on public radio. <laughs> That's how you know that you found well, an it, obscure new wave hit. And, it is and, a political song. Did you know that? It well, was it's an very, anti-Reagan song. It's very timely now, too, because we have a president who's willing to let journalists get killed if we can keep the cheap gas coming from Saudi Arabia. And if anybody's gone to the pump lately, you know that the gas prices are going up. And as soon as it gets hot out, they're going to go even higher. And so our Room 7609 selection for this week... Uh, brought to us by one of our loyal listeners on Twitter, is President Gas. Here again, President Gas is 
So, Mark, this is about Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan is responsible for more really great songs. I guess, yeah. Uh, Land of Confusion? Is that, a, is that oh, about yeah. Reagan? Well, uh, sure, there were a few. I just remember the puppets in that video. Yeah. Yeah, and and, uh, and of course Sting did uh, in Europe and America. Sorry, my voice is kind of gone. <laughs> but but where is so we had George Bush, who you know whether you liked him or not was kind of a rich subject, you know. And then you had uh, then you got Trump, who's kind of a rich subject. Where is this great political music? All the Smith stuff. Oh, Clinton would have created some oh, sure. material you well, would think you say clinton i was just about to say sex pistols that could have been his secret service call sign mm-hmm. but i mean these were all about margaret thatcher about the uh about the queen of england where is this great sort of subvert everything with pink floyd they're, they're doing great songs about world war ii well i remember so i remember rage Against the machine did a lot of stuff a oh, lot yeah. of political stuff you're going to love this. Pearl Jam had a lot of anti-Bush stuff. They had Bush Whacker, and Eddie was on the forefront. <laughs> George Bush is a president. Is that the one? Yeah, that's, that's I couldn't even tell if that was Eddie or you. Um, but well, there, the, there's no more the political voice. music anymore. Well, there's... Takashi 69 going to do an... And- I, you know, when I hear the hot songs of today, I just hear the same thing over and over and over and over. Hoes, bitches, you know, I'm yeah. going to shoot you. You're, we got to rap. We got to battle. I just, but hip-hop didn't start out like that. Run DMC, It Was a Dream, was all about, you know, economy and, and, and mm-hmm. feeling oppressed by, please, Mr. Reagan, don't put me under fire. You know, I mean, stuff like that. Even hip-hop had a political bent Ice to it. Cube, now it's, yeah. yeah, oh, Ice Cube. I mean, America's most wanted, yeah. man. You want, us, you want to save Africa, I'll stare at you. We ain't got it so good in America. I mean, that's some Bird great stuff. Yeah, no. Nah. NWA. It's, I mean, they were talking about you know Black Lives there. Matter in a very well, distinctive way. Yeah. NWA was it? I mean, that, it's hard to compare anything now to NWA. Cardi B making money moves. I mean, it's just so indulgent and cliche. Indulgent. Like she she had a very perfect. political tweet. I would like her to tweet more. That yeah. was hilarious on the yeah. on the shutdown. Yeah. No. Yeah. Going right. to the gynecologist. Um, Doesn't a lot of it feel really cliche yeah. too? Just. Yeah, it's, it's not hedonist. directed at me. I understand. I don't a want lot of repetition. Like it's like it's nihilism, is what it is. It's not really I, political activism. There's it's just... one. There's one act I just thought of, and I don't even know if you guys do you know who Killer Mike is. I he's don't. got a show on Netflix too, and he's he's in Run the Jewels. He's incredibly political on uh, in both sides, um, but depending on what the issue, he's very pro gun, but he's also black. So okay, <laughs> that's the only guy I can think of though. Well, it, and you I used think to be people, able to rattle it off like when you were younger. People make a big mistake thinking that that all black folks are are pro gun control because there's a lot of black folks who lived in the South who thought, man, my church wouldn't have been bombed, my house wouldn't have been bombed, sure. my kids would if That's I could have had if I could have had a little firepower. And there's a, there's a huge movement that says, you take our guns, we're going to be at the mercy of all these crackers out there who are trying to uh, impose their will, but. Mm-hmm. But anyways, see, room 7609, it doesn't just unearth great gems. It, it's opening doors. It gives birth to high-minded political discourse. Well, it's nice to get some feedback as well from yeah. people suggesting. Yeah, we, we want your suggestions for room 7609. We want your suggestions for Geek of the Week. We want your suggestions for the great debate. You can get them to us at ML Soul of Detroit on Facebook, ML Soul of Detroit on Twitter, mlsoulofdetroit.com. You're probably seeing a little bit of a theme emerging here. <laughs> And, of course, we'd love you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and on Google Podcast. 
Give us a rating. Let us know what you think. Give us some advice. Give us some feedback, man. I'm I'm new at this shit. I don't think I I got it down. Maybe you can help me. Maybe maybe you can be really mean to me, and we can have a, a mean tweet. Make cry. Thing that's worked out for some other guys, right? Oh yeah, that's always fun to read the complaint. I always get pissed off as I'm reading them, and uh, I think people enjoy hearing the negativity. And then you do get people who will have your back. Yeah, that's a nice part. Yeah, it's my first day. So that's it for this week's edition of ML Soul Detroit, brought to you by the Red Shovel Network. We'll be back next week. Give us a listen, share it, rate it, and Cyrus, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Here as Doc and Don Windsor as Kitty. George Walsh speaking.